There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care, away from the tender shepherd's care. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. Out in the darkness he heard its cry, sick and helpless, ready to die, sick and helpless, ready to die. But all through the mountains thundering and up from the rocky steep there arose a glad cry to the gate of heaven Rejoice, I have found my sheep And the angels echoed around the throne Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. Thank you, darling. She's such a pretty girl. We want to welcome John and Sherry Bogman. They're right back here. Y'all stand up and wave. I want everybody to get name and face uh, together. They're our newest uh, members. Bill and Peggy Beers right over here. Would y'all stand up? Uh, we want to welcome you as our newest members. We're so glad to have you all in the family. If you have your Bible this morning... I'd ask you to turn with me to two different passages. We're going to uh, kind of uh, follow through here on the story. Remember Lot's wife is the title of the message this morning. And I want us to look at uh, Genesis 13 beginning in verse 5. First book of the Bible. I know you can find it. Uh, Pick one of those Bibles out of the uh, seat in front of you there. And let's look at it together. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. 
So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is it not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll take the right, or if you take the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of the Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities on the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now, if you could, just turn over a few chapters to chapter 19, and let's look at verse 24 through 26. Chapter 19, 24 through 26. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Well, this morning, uh, I want you to think back with me, and first of all, remember Lot. We're going to talk mostly about Lot's wife this morning, but first I want us to think about uh, Lot. He was the weak nephew of Abraham. When the flocks and the herds of Abraham uh, got together, it was a whole big crowd of them. And then Lot had uh, hundreds and hundreds of workers, and, and there were a great big crowd of them. And these two different men, with all their herdsmen and all of that, they began to have conflict because they all wanted the place on the plain that had the greenest grass and had Uh, the best place to take care of all the livestock. They wanted to go to the place where all the water was, obviously. And they wanted to go to the place where they could get the best result uh, from their work. Abraham was a strong and gracious and godly man. And he told Lot, you just choose the section that you want, and you've got it, and I'll take what's left over. Uh, We don't want our herdsmen fighting among themselves, so uh, you just make a choice, and that way we'll solve all this bickering that's going on back and forth. Well, Lot selfishly consulted his own advantage, and he chose the best land that was close to Sodom. The grass was so green. Lot, Lot was a taker, not a giver. Calvin Miller tells the story of a woman in his church that never uh, took one little tiny bit of responsibility in the church. She just came on Sunday mornings and left, and and that was it. Uh, Her excuse was, well, I'm real, real busy in all the clubs that I'm a member of, and I'm real busy in my profession, my career, so I don't have time to do anything. But then this woman at Christmas called all over her subdivision. She walked from house to house, 
and went to literally every home in her whole subdivision, asking the owners to please use blue lights during the Christmas season. Uh, Everybody use blue lights on every decoration that you have about Christmas. Her reason was she wanted to attract the attention of the Lighting Award Committee. She wanted her subdivision to win the prize as the prettiest subdivision in the whole town. And then she would be real proud, of course, of where she lived. Well, she was too busy to knock on one door for the church, but she had plenty of time to knock on every door in her subdivision for the blue light uh, special. (laughs) Well, her problem was not her time. Her problem was her priorities. Lot wanted to take the best land for himself. Uh, His gracious uncle was offering it, So he took it. He said, yeah, I'll take that land. It's the best. Yeah, that's what I want. He was a taker, not a giver. He wanted what would help him the most. He was interested in himself. Lot's problem was his priority in life. Lot was a lazy man. He was tired of living in those tents out on the plains and all of the indignities that went with that. He didn't want anything to do with living on the plain. He'd had it with that, and his wife had had it with that. And so they moved basically to a suburb of Sodom. And he had a nice house, and, and the people around him had nice houses, and it was, it was really, really fine. It was good. He was so glad that he had made that choice. Well, the kings of the area began to fight each other. There was a lot of war going on back then. And finally, one group kind of won out over all the other groups. And since they won, they thought, well, there's that guy Lot, and he's got all those herdsmen, and he's got all that livestock and all the wives, all the women. We could use those as, as slaves. And we could use all the men to help us work in our fields. And so they just decided to kind of go by there too and take over that area. And they did. And they took Lot and his wife and all of his people and all of his stuff with them into captivity. Abraham heard uh, what had happened. And he just couldn't believe that that had happened. So he decided that he would intervene and try and get Lot and his wife and all the men and all the stuff back. He was going to attack the people that had overtaken Lot. So he uh, prayed to God. He got his army together, and the Lord, of course, helped him. Uh, Lot took his men into battle, and they prevailed, and they delivered Lot and his family and his workers and all of his crops and everything. He delivered it all back to Lot, gave it to him. So he moved back into the same house right next to Sodom. And they thought once again, well, everything is great. It couldn't be any better than this. Spurgeon said of this, Sodom's walls without God are far less safe than a frail tent 
when God is the wall of fire around it. There are a lot of types of locks today. I'm sure that uh, Lot had some locks around on his property. He wanted to keep everything safe. He didn't want people breaking into his house. And so I'm sure there were some locks. I, I bet everybody here today has some locks at their house. Cindy and I have a, a lock on the front door and the back door. And we got that ADT system. They come by your house and they put a little gizmo on all the windows and all the doors. And, uh, you know, you pay for it, of course. And, uh, you know, we put that whole system in. I have a loaded 38 by the front door. And I have a loaded 38 by the back door. So do you think that uh, we're safe? Do you think that you're safe? Or might there be some group that would swoop in and not only take you all as captives, but take everything that you had? In the final analysis, we are only safe if the Lord watches out over us. I'm sure that Lot thought he was safe. He had many, many servants. And he had found out that Abraham was going to take care of him. He had some powerful, powerful friends. Lot and his wife thought, well, you know, we're rich. We live in this big, nice house. Uh, We have everything we could ever want. Uh, We have uh, a lot of people that Uh, We're getting to know, we're making new friends here in Sodom. Let's just kick back and enjoy our life and and have a wonderful, wonderful time. I want you to remember Lot's wife. She wasn't his better half. She was his worse half. Abraham was out there on the plain living in a tent. And Lot's wife had had all of that she wanted. She certainly didn't want to do that ever, ever again. It was horrible. All the dirt, all those animals, the smell of all, it was just awful, terrible. She didn't want anything to do with that. She didn't want to be associated with that in any possible way. The people of Sodom, she thought, were a lot more fun. They were more fun than those people out there in the desert. Uh, They were rich, they had fine clothes, they ate the finest food from all over the world. She thought, man, this is the way to live. I like it here in Sodom. When it came time for her and her family to leave Sodom, because God's judgment was coming, it was going to fall on Sodom and Gomorrah, She thought that was the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to her. She was dismayed to the ultimate degree. She could not tear herself away from the people of Sodom and their sin and their worldly attitudes, their worldly perspectives about everything, every single thing. To love the secular world and all that it represents is to die spiritually. And she was dead spiritually. To be divided from the world and its philosophy 
and draw close to God and God's provisions and God's motives is the mark of a disciple of Christ. If our hearts are glued to the world, we'll perish with the world. It might not come all at one time. It it comes gradually. Through my life, I have served in some churches that had some unbelievably wealthy people in them. Mary Kay was a member of the church where I served, and we had a lot of other folks there. In my last church, there were probably 25 millionaires and uh, just lots of money. You know, the thing that I noticed was the folks that had the most money were not the happiest people. They were always concerned about their money. And they didn't have time to really be involved in the things of God, in the church of God, in the word of God, in praying to God. They didn't have time for that. Some would say, well, she was Lot's wife, for heaven's sakes. That ought to speak for something. Uh, ties of, of marriage are no guarantee of God's grace. We need to remember that. You may be the husband of a godly woman and yet yourself be a castaway. You may be the child of a prophet and the curse of the prophets be upon you. Our first birth does not provide for us a place in the kingdom of heaven. For that which is born of flesh is flesh. It's sad when one in a marriage relationship really gives their heart to the Lord and they're so excited about it and they come back home and the other one is is really not interested at all in that like Lot's wife wasn't. You know what the scripture says? In that night, there shall be two in one bed, and one shall be taken, and the other one left. There will be the two women grinding uh, the meal, and one will be taken, and one will be left. There will be two men in the field, working in the field, and one shall be taken, and one shall be left. It doesn't matter how close the married couple might be. They might love each other with all of their heart. It doesn't matter how long they have been married. It doesn't matter which one of the two is the best parent. Lot was spared. His life, his wife was not. Many people love their mates dearly. I mean dearly. But there is eternal separation if they both are not in the family of God. Lot's wife was around a lot of religious things. Abraham made sure of that. He had a lot of spiritual stuff going on. She was around a lot of spiritual things and a lot of spiritual people. There were things going on around her all the time, and she never got into it. She said, well, you know, they can do that if they want to. That's not my thing. I'm not into that. Go ahead, do all that you want to. It doesn't bother me. Just don't try and get me into it. I don't want to be into it. 
The one true God was worshipped around her often. But she never listened. She never opened her heart to it. She never uh, drew herself into that circle of the body of Christ. Her husband was a weak man. He had a lean-to religion. He never stood alone. He always leaned on Abraham. Abraham was the leader of the nation. He was the top guy. And everybody in that whole area knew it. He had not only a lot of power, he had a lot of uh, herds, uh, he had a lot of influence. He was kind of behind everything that happened. Uh, He was really something. And in the center of all of that, he was the most godly man in the whole area. He loved God with all of his heart. I think Lot's wife hated him, just hated him because he was so successful and she and her husband, they had a nice house, but it it really wasn't, you know, the greatest house on the plain. It wasn't the finest house in the whole area. He was spiritual to the core, Abraham was. Lot's wife was secular to the core. Not everybody likes preachers. He basically was a preacher. He would go around and uh, he and God would, would uh, talk to each other. And then he would talk to the people. He, he in many ways, was uh, a preacher. You know, some people uh, hate preachers. There was one man that was on death row. He hated preachers. He always had hated preachers. He thought preachers were way too judgmental. He said, you know what preachers do? They say some are saved and some are lost. They're so judgmental. You know, they're just just judgmental. And I don't like that. I can't stand that. I hate preachers. Well, the prisoner had been on death row for a long time. About a week before his execution finally was coming around, a man in a black suit was walking down the hall toward his cell. And in his hand, he had a big black book. And the prisoner looked out and saw this guy coming. And he said, get away from here. I hate preachers. And I hate you. And I don't want you around here. I want you to get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you whatsoever. Well, he kept uh, rattling on that kind of stuff. He said, get the blankety blank. You can put in whatever words you'd like there. Uh, Get the blankety blank away from me. I don't ever want to see you again. Well, the man in the black suit with a black book uh, in his hand walked right up to the prisoner's cell, and he looked him right in the eye for about a minute. He didn't say a word, and then he turned, and he walked away. The guard uh, came up to the prisoner and said, Why in the world did you cuss out that uh, man in the black suit? 
Why did you do that? And the prisoner said, well, I hate preachers. I've always hated preachers. I didn't want to talk to him, and I sure didn't want him to start opening his big black Bible. I didn't want that. The guard said, that man wasn't a preacher. That man was the governor of this state. And that wasn't a Bible that he had in his hand. That was a pardon for you and your release. A week later, at the man's execution, the prisoner was asked if he had anything that he wanted to say, kind of his last words, did anything he wanted to say. And so the prisoner said, don't feel sorry for me. I'm getting what I deserve. I committed the crime, the sin that I am accused of, I did. And secondly, because of my actions, I turned down the pardon that was meant for me. I deserve to die. He made a terrible mistake because he hated preachers. He hated the things of God. He hated the word of God. He hated the fellowship of God. He hated all of that. And judgment fell. And he was dead. Lot's wife made a terrible mistake. She hated spiritual Abraham and his spiritual ways. She hated it that he was in such close contact with God Almighty. She turned away from her pardon for a new and wonderful life. If she had just kept walking straight and not turned around, if she had just done that, she would have had the most wonderful life that she'd ever had. But she turned toward judgment. Abraham had told everybody specifically, don't turn around, don't look back. Well, guess what? She turned around, she looked back, and judgment fell. Do you suppose earlier Lot's wife had said something like this? We need to stay here in Sodom, Lot. I really like it here. It would be good for our girls uh, to grow up here in Sodom. They, They need a taste of something that is refined. Something that is very proper. We have lived in that horrible tent out there by Abraham all this time. Uh, Abraham might want to live out there, but I don't. So let's don't ever go out there. Our girls need to go to nice parties. They need to meet some nice young men. And they need to get married uh, into some of the fine families of Sodom. Lot's wife loved Sodom. So she didn't care that all the people in Sodom were pagans. That didn't bother her at all. She wasn't interested in spiritual things in the least. The reason for Lot's wife's death is well known. It was just a little look. Remember Lot's wife. Don't make the same mistake that she made. Don't center your life 
on the world and the things of the world, it would be better to be in a dusty tent and close to the Lord than enamored by a sinful place filled with sinful people. Do what you need to do, but in all of it, stay close to the Lord. All of us here today have sinned. We have uh, deserved death for our sins. But Jesus has walked toward us with a pardon in his hand. And for those that have taken the pardon, you have been forgiven. For those that refuse it, because they don't want anything to do with godly things. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with his word. They don't want anything to do with his fellowship. They don't want anything to do with his spirit that comes to abide within those that know the Lord. Jesus died for your sins. You don't have to. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to die. He already did. All you need to do is trust and believe in him. Today, if there's a person in the house that has never done that, You've kind of hung out with the Sodomon crowd. Uh, you, you've, you've been right outside of that group. Maybe there's some here today that have been in the far country. And perhaps it's time for you to come home. Maybe there's some in the house today that have been visiting with us for a, a good period of time. And you know the Lord and love the Lord. And you want to be with the Lord's people. I'd encourage you to come and, and join with us today and be a part of our family. We would be overjoyed for you to come and be one with us. The Spirit of God works in a lot of different ways. He works with everybody differently because we're all different people. I hope in these next two or three minutes that you'll listen very, very closely to how he would want to work with you. If there's a spiritual decision that you'd like to make, I'm going to stand right down here in the front. You just slip out during the song and come and and take a stand for Christ. And there will be great joy in the house of the Lord. Let's stand together as we sing.